Namaskar and welcome to NFL Masala. I'm your co-host Anant. And I'm your other co-host Rakshak. Welcome to episode number 52 of NFL Masala, where we talk about all the latest happenings in the NFL with a little bit of spice. So today we are finally, finally, finally approaching regular season 2023 NFL season. Week one. So what are we going to do today, Dakshak? We are going to be breaking some Dhamakadar news mm-hmm. and then also doing a preview of week one. Our first of 17 previews. Are you excited for football to be back? Oh, my God. I cannot wait. Although, I'm happy that college football was back. And first of all, Texas Tech, you shot the bet against Wyoming. 35-33 to in OT. I mean, Josh Allen has the win over Pat Mahomes, if you think about it. <laughs> but, oh, my God. I mean, I can't wait for, for the actual football season. NFL, man, this is why we are here. Now, let's move on to the Dhamakadar news segment. So, first bit of news. We have. A new contract extension and that's not just you know some random you know offensive lineman or cornerback getting a contract extension no 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 it is one of the best defensive players in the nfl mr wow. nick bosa bosa he bosa. is now nice mm-hmm. He is now going to be the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. He has agreed to a five-year, $170 million extension. So that means he'll have an average of more than 30, what, $32 million a year, I believe, if we did that math correct. Or thirty. I'm gonna pull up the, I think I have to pull up the calculator on this one. Ladies and gentlemen, this is NFL Masala. And thirty-four. Yes, we to, there we go. Yeah, thirty-four. 34 yeah, thirty-four million a year. That's that's QB money. That or that's, that's like top bottom ten tier QB money. That's that's what he's being paid, and that also includes a hundred and twenty-two point five million dollars guaranteed as well. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, this is this is something. This is definitely something. I mean, it's it's just obviously he is one of those players who deserves, you know, this level of a contract. Um, you know, for for a long time, yes, he's been suffering through injuries, but when he's healthy and when he's on the field, he is you know, top two defensive edge, right? oh, or defensive end, defensive player. I mean, he is the offense, obviously defensive player of the year. Um, you know, last year he he was the DPOI, so he has that award. Um, and it's just, it is shocking though that he is earning more money than Aaron Donald in terms of an average annual value contract. Because uh, Aaron Donald's AAV was uh, 31.7 mil, mm-hmm. uh, whereas, you know, obviously Nick Bosa's is $34 million. Um, so, 
Yeah, at least he has one up on his brother who signed a deal in 2020, which had $102 million in guaranteed. And now he has uh, one-upped Joey Bosa, his uh, his older brother, having mm-hmm. $122.5 million in guaranteed. So that is uh, that is very interesting. But yeah. Yeah, definitely, man. I think... Um, but I got to wonder how much of that dead cap money is next for the... And, but the thing is, like, yeah, you covered Bosa, but then... You have a ton of players you gotta cover. So John Lynch, he, he's gonna be he. I think he's gonna be awake like this entire season. Like I don't think he's gonna get a full twenty four hours of sleep because he has to worry about like how many future contracts he has to sign and all that. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. But I mean, he does have Brock Purdy on a seventh round rookie contract, so I he's know. still got a lot more years of um of paying out you know quality skill position players whether it's receivers where brendan Ayuk is coming up um whether it's running backs though he's they're probably not going to pay a running back anytime soon mm-hmm. um other than cmc but cmc is a whole nother beast now yeah so it's it's going to be interesting how like you mentioned how they're how they're going to manage the salary cap i think what you uh, you recently shared a, a post where they already are at $190 million uh, of the $240 million salary cap this year. They've already spent that. Um, so they have $50 million left for the salary cap before Nick Bosa's signing. So we'll see how much the dead cap affects um, this year and future years. Wow. So, so yeah, what's next? Okay, so with this one, we do have a. It was reported that two-time Pro Bowl tight end Kyle Rudolph has retired after a 12-year NFL career spent mostly with with the Minnesota Vikings, and he will be and he'll be and the Vikings will be honoring him in their Week Three game against the Chargers. So, so I basically I'm gonna assume he, they're gonna sign. He's gonna sign like those one day contracts and retire with that. And um, this is Kyle Rudolph, 33 years at um, age 33. He caught 482 passes for 4,773 yards, 50 touchdowns, in 165 career NFL games with 145 starts, and most of these receptions, which was 453 yards, 4,488, and touchdowns. 48 came in a Vikings uniform. They drafted, remember, they drafted him in the second round in 2011, and he had made the Pro Bowl twice in 2012 and 2017. Then I understand he finished his, um, he, he finished, um, played one season with the Giants and one season with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, um, and I think like after this, he's confirmed that he's going to be moving to broadcasting and it'll be working. For as a Big Ten analyst for Peacock and co-host a Sunday night show on Fox Sports Radio, so best of luck, um, best of luck to you in your future endeavors, Kyle Rudolph. Definitely, it's definitely. So, yeah, I mean, for Kyle Rudolph, um, very interesting career with the Vikings. Obviously, uh, very controversial, uh, not controversial, but um, integral piece for the Vikings offense for several years. That's that's to say the least, and uh, he's had a couple of games against the Packers that I would like to forget about. <laughs> but um, yeah, 
Best of luck to him. All right, next one. Unfortunately, it is a bit of a Kachura news, especially oh. for uh, fantasy football owners, because Travis Kelsey it has been listed as questionable for the opener tomorrow against the Lions. Oh, my goodness. And this is because he had a hyperextended knee in practice uh, last week, which is uh, believed to be a not serious injury from the Chiefs. Uh, they mentioned that he did not tear his ACL. It's still in contact. Oh, thank goodness. So, I'm happy about that. Exactly. We could not. I mean, the Chiefs, with already Chris Jones not doing well, or Chris Jones what? not um, in, in a firm position to be on the team, uh, it's going to be very – I mean, he, he would have been very, very bad for the, for the Chiefs to adjust without Travis Kelsey as well. So um, it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate that he's going through this injury, but it's good news that, uh, you know, he wasn't that hurt. He was just limping around. He was able to walk off the field by himself. So uh, we'll see uh, if he, pro he if he starts this game. Most likely he probably won't be starting um, for the first, you know, quarter maybe. We'll see how they game manage him. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. And since I'm a fantasy football owner and I drafted Travis Kelsey, of course I'm very upset. But first of all, health is wealth. And do what you have to do on this one. And um, with this, I wanted to talk about another contract issue. Like with Chris Jones, but this time it is with Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide former four-time Pro Bowl wide receiver and team captain Mike Evans. He has set a week one debt, and this is on September 1st. He set a week one deadline to receive a new contract with, with, from the Bucks with his representation, indicating that Evans will look to play elsewhere in, elsewhere in 2024 if no deal has been reached. And he wants the next phase of his career to be with an organization who wants him, who, who wants him and wants him to help win a Super Bowl. This is big. And they're opening their regular season game against the Vikings. And the, and it's going to be very hard because he's entering in his final season of a five-year, $82.5 million extension. He signed back in March 2018. He's had to make a base salary of $13 million and receive a $1.5 million, million roster bonus in March. His current deal includes three void years for 2024 to 2026. So... I don't know what the, my what my take is on. I mean, I do hope that Evans gets paid because when he's healthy, he is a lethal threat. He can run downfield. He's a good physical possession receiver. Yeah, but uh, from from his understanding, I can see why he wants a new contract extension because you don't he doesn't even know who's going to be the starting QB, right? Whether it's going to be Baker Mayfield, is if it's going to be Kyle Trask, who knows. They're, Who knows? Most most uh, indicators are saying that you know it, it's going to be Baker Mayfield, but um, we'll see how that progresses. But he wants to have a secure uh, future, right? He is what 31, 32 years old, so he's he's getting up there in age for a wide receiver. 
Um, mm-hmm. And typically decline happens for at least an elite wide receiver at around, you know, their early to uh, mid thirties, right? You see players like D hop. You saw Julio Jones last or last year or two years ago, last year, uh, having that decline. Um, you saw, you know, a bunch of other receivers in their thirties declining as well. Now just being relegated to, you know, backup uh, roles like Adam Thielen. He's he's just going to be a uh, possession receiver. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, just how, just what his role is going to be um, in this uh, in this offense that the Bucks are going to roll out this year. Whether or not he stays with the Bucks next year, whether he moves to a championship contender next year, uh, who knows? It's going to be very interesting. But yeah, I I would you know I wouldn't be shocked if if he gets traded at the at the midseason mark. I think this is what we mentioned during our NFC South recap as well when we were discussing yeah. the Bucks, right? About uh, Mike Evans and and I think we had a, a beat the dome moment that he was going to be traded at the midseason mark. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, most likely, let's say he makes a move to the Bills. Right for like a second or third round pick, right? I mean, that would be fantastic for for a team like the Bills, right? Solidify oh, their position in the top of the AFC. Um, but yeah, well, if the, yeah, the Bills get Mike Evans or someone like that, that caliber. Oh my God, Diggs and Evans, someone who has Josh Allen on their fantasy is going to be having a field day. And hell, I will be surprised. I'll be even more happy because I'm on that drafting fantasy. And I still hate you, dude. Whoever took my Eagles at the first pick, I curse you. <laughs> you get the recipient of the Raksha curse. Understand this. <laughs> yeah. All righty. Uh, last but not least, another injury news. Uh, oh, this one with another happening? elite receiver. Uh, in this case, an actual wide receiver and not a tight end. Uh, it's going to be Cooper Cup, and unfortunately, he has a hamstring injury, which is now going to sideline him for the season opener against the Seattle Seahawks. So what is this he, the first time I'm hearing from you? Um, Seahawks. Yeah, I, it's look. It just slipped out. All right, Sea Chickens. There we go. <laughs> the world is correct. It's back in order now. Sea Chickens. <laughs> Um, thank you for that correction. But yeah, so uh, so Cooper Cup first injured his hamstring on August first during a training camp practice and experienced a setback last week. Right, uh, he's dealing with a lot of soft t- uh, tissue stuff, so they're trying to get him back to normal. But um, he's still dealing with that as an injury, and he is unable to play during the season opener. And I've seen him slide down uh, draft uh, boards now. Uh, especially, you know, best ball drafts. Uh, he's he's been sliding down and and sometimes even out of the first round of of you know ten to twelve team draft picks uh, draft selections. So it's going to be very interesting to see how the Rams offense rebounds. I mean, Matthew Stafford is coming back from an elbow injury. Oh, yeah. That offensive line is not that great. I mean, we all we all know what we said uh, during the NFC West breakdown. If you guys haven't uh, catched that episode, please go ahead. 
Uh, we did break, do a breakdown of all four teams in the NFC West division. We also did a breakdown of all 32 teams in the entire NFL league. So definitely go check it out. But getting back to this, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how the Rams offense goes up against the Seattle defense, especially the secondary without Cooper Cup as the number one receiver. Yeah, I, it's going to be a long season. And hell, I still think the Rams will finish off with a better record than the Cardinals. That's all I'm going to say. That is all I am going to say. <laughs> yeah, I think most people predict that. The Cardinals are just yikes. No, but you know my reasons why. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah. I do. I do. Okay, I let's do. move I do. on. All righty. Now, moving on, we're going to be previewing week one of the 2023 regular season of the NFL, starting with Rakshak's Eagles. Go ahead. All righty. All right. All right. All right. Barring a phrase from Matthew McConaughey. Um, before I continue on with the Eagles, I got to ask you, Anand, when you watch college football, did the Colorado TCU game shock you? Like, oh my God. Yeah. I, I mean, it was one of the most thrilling upsets of, you know, the past couple of years. Definitely. Man, Deion Sanders, Hall of Famer. Two-time Super Bowl champion, coaching a poor Colorado team to beat the runner-up of the national championship game last year. Like that's insane. And Travis Hunter is a beast. I recommend you guys watch him on YouTube. He's a he basically is a two is a two basically plays in two positions. He plays wide receiver and corner. 112 snaps, one interception. I believe 100 plus. 100-plus receiving yards, like, that's insane. He's insane. But, yeah. Anyway, moving on. So, Eagles versus Patriots. Anand, this is also the same day where the Patriots are hosting their Tom Brady appreciation, appreciation game. And, <laughs> yeah, but remember, Tom Brady's last loss in the Super Bowl was against my favorite things of all time because he lost to a backup QB. And a second-year head coach with a trick play. Can can a team can can we ask any team say that they could do that? Please let me nope. know. Do the Cowboys have that win? I highly doubt it. Exactly. Moving on. So this is also technically a Matt Patricia revenge a revenge game for a couple of things. Because remember, if you think about it. Matt Patricia was part of the Bill Belichick system. And now he is now a defensive assistant for the Eagles. And hopefully him and Darry and cornerback Darius Slay have resolved their issues and all that. So with this, let's do a bit of a three-way breakdown. I like to solve. Eagles offense versus Patriots defense. So with this, according to that, the Eagles are entering as the number third three overall. From fantasy from FDN fantasy, they were ninth in offensive passing and fifth in offensive rushing. And in return, you are dealing with a brand new set of offensive weapons. I mean, nothing has changed with the Eagles except Jalen Hurts is going to try and he's coming back in this after a second year as an MVP finalist. Um, 
and then you have the four new weapons and i remember talking this with pete nathan on his pete on the pete nathan show talk, check check his channel out on youtube if you love eagles football content i know you secretly do if we have the four running backs earth wind fire and boston scott on drums that is deandre Swift, rashad penny kenny gainwell and boston scott and 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 i mean like and 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 deandre Swift is a dynamic playmaker he can run He's not only is he a great rusher when he's healthy, but he's also a, gr a good pass catcher. Rashad Penny, definitely a power back, a power um, power rusher. Um, and I can see the Eagles using him mainly on the third and short, first and short situations. And then Kenny Gainwell, who has been emerging as a dual run and pass catching threat during the playoffs last year and last season, along, and of course, Boston Scott, you only put him in against the Giants. To, after all, he's a giant killer. And then you have two returning weapons, Swole Batman and Skinny Batman. I'm referring to AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, respectively, both having over a thousand receiving yards. And 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 I think this is going to be the huge test now. But uh, but don't forget, we also don't forget the Eagles also have wide receivers three and four ready in Quez Watkins. Who I hope he can take the next step and Olamide Zacchaeus or Ozak, as I'm gonna call him. And plus, you cannot look, you cannot step away from a man I like to call Philly, aka Dallas Goddard, who I mean, who is an amazing, amazing player overall. I mean, he I, I mean, like so far in his career, he had like two thousand almost he he's three yards short of 3,000 receiving yards with the eagles 19 touchdowns and 45 being the longest reception and he and if you want to look at last season according to his stats in 12 games he has played 55 receptions out of 69 targets 702 yards and the reason being is because the eagles have too many damn playmakers hurts and and think about it. The Eagles can beat you in the pass. They can beat you in the run. And don't forget, Hurts can also run the ball. And unlike any QB who can, who are so good with being the athletic version, like Mahomes can juke you off of the spin moves. Hurts is more of a traditional power, more like a power runner. I mean, this is the guy who squatted 600 pounds in, um, in OU. And I think like this is going to be the t one of the early t tests against the Patriots because this is a New England Patriots de defense that you cannot sleep on. This is the uh, and according to FTN Fantasy, they are the 11th ranked overall defense, 18th defending the pass, and sixth against defending the rush. They're one of the best run stopping defenses. And Bill Belichick, whether you like him or not. He is very good in in developing defensive schemes, and and along with his son Steve Belichick, aka the guy who like who was like licking his lips or something like that um, in one of the games. But this is a this this is a defense that you cannot underestimate. Belichick can Bill Belichick knows how to take away something that is your strength. So if I'm so if, so basically. He will say like, okay, like if your strength is running the ball, he will immediately develop ways or schemes 
to stop you from running and you'll and you'll force you to and you'll force your QB to throw the ball and then apply the blitz and pressure non-stop. I would not be surprised if Bill Belichick takes that one element away. And this is the same team that has allowed the fourth few. And this is one of the crazy stats that I've saw, like according to Play Picks, which is um, a, a secondary website for like um, betting trends and stats. One of the things that the Patriots have done that has allowed the fourth fewest yards per play, 5.0, ninth fewest offensive touchdown, ninth fewest offensive touchdowns, games allowed, which is allowed, they've only allowed two touchdowns. They have crazy playmakers on the defensive line and the linebackers. I mean, if I have Patriots players to look out for, like, or to keep an eye out for, if I'm the Eagles, I have to, we have to be well aware on defense. Like, <clears throat> the, the evidence like, of Lawrence Guy, Matthew Judon, um, Josh Uche, who's coming up, who's coming up to his own, and Dietrich Weiss. Who I thought were like really good pickups, and don't forget they have a stud. They they have a crazy playmaker that they drafted in Christian Gonzalez, who fell to them in the first round. Paired up side by side with Jonathan Jones, back up with Marcus Jones, and uh, and of course a veteran in Jalen Mills, aka a former Eagle. And their safeties are all right with Kyle Duggar and Jabril and Jabril Peppers. So. The, and the, don't forget about Jonathan Jones. Like, what they can do is they'll probably take away the run game factor. Like, they'll and and one weakness I can think of is when you look at the and this is a, this is Patriots defense will be paired up against the number one ranked offensive line according to PFF last year, which is the Philadelphia Eagles. You'll be seeing the return of Lane Johnson, Lane Johnson, um, Jason Kelsey, Jordan Mailata, and Landon Dickerson. But the Eagles do have a change in right guard. This time, it is going to be the new center, new guard, Cam Jurgens, who was drafted last year in the 2022 draft in the second round. Basically, supposed to be the heir to Jason Peters. But with with right guard Isaac Salmalo leaving, now Jurgens has to step up, and he and I think what they're going to do is they're probably going to have Matthew Judon on him on that weak side and try and expose Hertz because Hertz has been very susceptible against the against the blitz and the, and and against the pass rush. So this is going to be a huge this is definitely going to be a, a a big challenge for this one. And with the, and with that being said, like Matthew Judon, he is the player for the Patriots I would I would, I would also watch. He had recorded 15.5 sacks, 14 tackles for a loss, and 60 tackles. Jawan Bentley, who is the Patriots, um, who also play also uh, another linebacker, he had 122 tackles, five tackles for a loss, three sacks, and one interception. This Patriots defense is no joke. Like I and of course Jonathan Jones, second light left cornerback. I could see he has intercepted four passes to go along with 60 attackers and 11 passes defended. So if I'm the Eagles, I'm going to expect the run game to be immediately sealed. Unless you can find gaps, I would rather see a combination of Swift and Penny. If Gainwell can get on his own, it's going to be great for the Eagles. And I could see Jonathan Jones being paired up against A.J. Brown. 
or and then have Christian Gonzalez go up against Devontae Smith. And uh, that would be something that Belichick would do. Go and disguise man and zone coverage. Keep Hurts guessing. And this could be the game in which Quez Watkins and Dallas Goddard step have to step up. Maybe DeAndre Swift does that too. But Jalen Hurts has to play a very, very careful game. And he's done a pretty good job in taking care of the ball. But just throw it away and don't force it into deep coverage unless you know that your, your receivers can make a play on it. So I think like Hearts has struggled against the blitz. So if I'm the Eagles, you have to, you got to try and trust with the run game. And Brian Johnson, who is the new offensive coordinator after Shane Steichen left to take up the Colts head coaching position, this is going to be a tough test for him. And hopefully he can, hopefully he develops that game plan for Hertz and he also makes the adjustments. Now on the defense and, and now on the defensive side, Anand, this is going to be a fun thing for me when I talk about Eagles defense against the Patriots offense because I want to play a game with you. It is called, Who in the Patriots offense scares you the most? Are you ready to play that game? Contestant number one, a.k.a. Anand. Yes, sir. Welcome. I am your host, Rukshuk, on how poor the Patriots offense are. Other than Mac Jones, you have your backup in Matt Corral. Congratulations on your running backs. You have Ramadre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott. Who scares you the most in those in, in your running backs? Definitely Zeke. I mean, he is a $90 million running back for a reason. He has proven it. He was the rookie of the year uh, in 2016, and he's definitely proven the fact that he's a quality, quality NFL running back. So definitely he's the one who scares me the most. Definitely not Ramadre yeah. Stevenson. I would agree so because, I mean, although Ramadre Stevenson, he's averaged 61.2 rushing yards per game and scored five touchdowns, and he's also good with the pass, but this is a, but Ezekiel Elliott, he apparently does well against the Eagles. Like how we have Boston Scott as a giant killer, Zeke is an eagle killer, and the Eagles were bad against the rush. I mean, if you think about it, although they were fifth overall in, defense, in defensive DVOA last year, they were fifth against the pass and 17th against the rush. I mean, this is the, this is the same. I mean, they have a, I mean, in, if you looked at every game, they allowed the Eagles have allowed 121.3 rushing rush yards per game. And I could expect the Patriots to use Mac to vote to use Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke heavily. If the Eagles front, if the Eagles cannot stop the run, I can expect one way that Mac Jones is going to open up that play action pass. So with that, like I, I would expect um, Sean decide the new Eagles defensive to try and stop the run. But yes, continue on with the game. Let's talk about our wide receivers and tight ends. And with this being said, your weapons for the wide receivers are Juju Smith Schuster, aka Corvette Corvette. No, shut up. I hate that song. And I hate you, Juju. And um, Devontae Parker, who is now questionable. And wide receiver Kendrick Bourne and tight end Hunter Henry and Mike Gisecki. Who scares you? Not a single person. All right. And we actually have some huge updates. Apparently, um, Cole Strange has been listed questionable. This is their left guard. 
Interesting. Interesting. Do you know what? It's going to be. <clears throat> go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. But go ahead. I was about to ask. No, I, I was just going to say um, it's it's going to be very interesting how you're going to defend them Georgia boys if if you don't have Mr. Strange up there, you know, oh. blocking him with uh, magical powers. <laughs> they, no Dr. Strange to help you this time, boys. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the same Eagles defensive line that nearly had, what, 70, 70 plus sacks? Um, and now you basically – and you know what their defensive line is. You basically have Georgia and veterans. I'm going to call Jordan Georgia and veterans. That's literally what it is. I mean, Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, and Nolan Smith, who could play outside edge and linebacker. And you have veterans in Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, Joshua, and Milton Williams. Don't remember those three. Cox, Graham, Sweat, and Williams. They were, uh, and if you add an ex-Eagle Javon Hargrave, those were the big the guys that reached double-digit sacks. The pass rush is going to be insane. And Mac Jones, um, I wish you nothing but the best, but this is the same Patriots offensive line that gave up 40, 34 sacks when Mac Jones was playing. And he was sacked, and this, according to NFL.com, Mac Jones was sacked 34 times, 231 sack yards lost for Mac Jones. Think about that, Anand. But... If I'm looking at the weapons in Devontae Parker and um, and Juju Smith, Juju Smith, um, of course, he had like some kind of um, average year with Kansas City, but he provided help when he in when it was needed. I can expect James Bradbury to be on him ever since the February 14th meme, the Valentine's Day memes, and AJ Brown calling him TikTok boy, and there, after that Super Bowl and the holding and the passing interference, I thought it was ticky tacky, but. James Bradbury is going to shut him down. Or if he lays a hit on him, I will be the happiest man on earth. Devontae Parker, when he's healthy, he's a good speedster. So I can expect Darius Slay to be um, big play Slay, who was, I believe, one of the top, um, him and Bradbury being like the one of the top two best, one of the top um, cornerbacks, according to PFF, um, like to try and seal them down. And then, of course, Avante Maddox would be playing slot. But, however, I would keep an eye on Hunter Henry. He has had um, he had two receiving touchdowns and 509 receiving yards. However, with the addition of Mike Gizeki, this kind of helps Mac Jones and the Titans. And I, and one way I could see the Patriots winning this is um, they are the Eagles are weak in the linebacker depth position. You have Nicobe Dean, Zach Cunningham, and Christian Ellis. That is not – I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. I mean, Zach Cunningham, you're probably going to be using – the Eagles are probably going to be using him to, like, help steal off, like, some of the passing lanes. But for but putting him in extra coverage, I wouldn't do that. This has to be the year that Nicobe Dean has to step up. There's a reason why the Eagles picked him in the third, in the third round last year. and. He needs. I mean, I hope. I hope he steps up. And Christian Ellis, I could see him. Um, I can. I and on a dive take. I think Christian Ellis, who is like who's more lengthier than Zach Cunningham, he takes over uh, uh, to get like one of the first early starts in that game. I don't think. I mean, Cunningham's a great veteran, but 
Christian Ellis, definitely he has the length and the athletic ability. I just hope he can tackle and play coverage. That is all I ask for. And this is a Patriots offense that was 26th overall, 20th in passing, and 24th in rushing. And I mean, and 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 if I'm the Patriots, I could see them match up, play two two tight end sets to match up to beat the, the because the Eagles deep um, linebackers are kind of sus sus at the moment. I've seen methods in which Sean Desai has put James Bradbury on a tight end during the offseason, and it's apparently worked. And with this, if I'm the Eagles, if I'm Sean Desai, um, he who is the disciple of Vic Fangio. You have to develop a spot on game plan and you have to make adjustments. I would say you would need to br bring in the pressure, but first seal off the run. If you can stop the run, because Vic Fangio has known to stop as has done what is has done its best in like stopping the against the run. And this is gonna be a tough test because you're going up against Mac Jones's former offensive coordinator and Bill O'Brien. Who was the offensive coordinator back in Alabama when Mac Jones was playing? Did you know that? And I think, and, and as long as Bill O'Brien is not your GM, the Patriots are safe. And I think with this, I can I expect the I expect the Patriots to go run heavy for a bit and test them out with tight ends and play action. And and if I'm the Eagles, you have to stop the run. I mean, this guy's with some. You you have to disguise with um some zone coverage, probably mixed man coverage and zones, and keep Mac Jones guessing. If he and and of course for special teams, this is where I'm most concerned because guess what? Out of their fifty the fifty three roster, Anand, Eagles don't have a putter. They don't have a putter yet. I yeah. mean, y'all still have uh, I I believe Pat O'Donnell's still there waiting to be signed. The Packers did release him. Oh, they so, just released him today. I mean, not just, but he wasn't on the fifty-three man roster. So, damn. And also, and also, Braden Man from the Steelers. But like, um, Howie, do something because special teams was the one that hurt us. I mean, this was Aaron Sepas who shanked a um, who shanked that punt in the in the Super Bowl and allowed Kadarius Tony to run it back, and that really killed us. Other than the field and Juju Smith um, holding penalty, and the worst defensive coordinator who could not do shit in the Super Bowl by making goddamn adjustments. I'm sorry, it had to come out one way or another. Damn you, Gannon. Damn you. But what I'm also really excited for, like, but back to but back to defense. What I'm kind of excited for is the safety room. I mean, Reed Blankenship. Um, remember, he's by the way, on did you know that Reed Blankenship's the only UDFA to ever um intercept Aaron Rodgers? Long story short, you saw that live, but I think from what I've heard in camp, Reed Blankenship has been make has been a ball, has been a dog, he's been a player and been like almost like picking off passes at the right moments. And I've seen and and, and I hope they put in Terrell Edmonds because Ed. Because Edmonds it can play also play a box safety role, and he has had a couple better snaps, and he is a wrecking ball in the field. He had seventy tackles, three tackles for loss, and two sacks. And also, don't forget one of your edges on Hassan Reddix. He led the league with sixteen sacks. I mean, he had sixteen sacks, eleven tackles for loss, and forty-nine. 
tackles last season. So I don't know if the Eagles can repeat that um, that's the 70 plus sack season, but it's going to be freaking amazing. And Jalen Hurts is going to take the next step. Anand, my final prediction for the game. I have the Eagles winning a very close game. I, I have them winning 27-24. It's going to be a tough battle, but the but Jalen Hurts will lead up will lead the game winning touchdown and the Eagles are going to are are going to have Mac Jones um force a fumble. They they're going to they're going to um they're going to take they're going to like get up to Mac Jones. I say three four sacks. Okay, okay, that's a uh... I think that's a common premonition that the Eagles are going to win um, and, and beat the uh, be, beat the Patriots. And I do believe it's going to be that close because this defense is, I mean, for the Patriots, was, I think, either number one or number two in overall DVOA. And it was just um, really, really efficient. Given the uh, type of players that they had, the amount of you know pro ball type of players that they had, or common you know named players that they had, so it's going to be very interesting to see how the Patriots defense holds down that Eagles offense. Yeah, uh, that's the one that I'm most excited for, actually. So yeah, interesting, interesting take. Now moving on to. The Packers versus the Bears. The Bears. The Bears. And now a new era has begun. It is time to feel the love tonight. No, it's more it's like, can you feel the love tonight? Tonight. You got to go with the Elton John voice, man. That dude's a legend. Don't kill it. Alrighty. All righty. Well, here, you know, this is exactly why we have NFL (laughs) Masala to showcase our singing talents. Yeah. Um, Technically, we do sing Carnatic music. I mean, I've been like off at it, but yeah. yeah. Um, But yeah, so it is a new era in Green Bay. Hopefully, Love versus Fields becomes a showcase for the next decade, but a lot has to go well to get it there obviously. But before that, let's see what happens in this game. So starting with Dub Bears, specifically their offense versus our defense. Last year, the Bears were extremely run heavy, right? They were seventh in rushing DVOA, but 30th in passing DVOA. So basically, They love to run the football, and they really weren't that great at passing the football. Now, let's say uh, they were also number uh, first in rushing play percentage at 56% in the NFL. So not only did they love to run the football, but they also were uh, very good at it. Seventh, right? Unfortunately, the Packers' defense wasn't that spectacular against the run either they were 31st in rushing dvoa 25th in stuffing percentage and 27th in 10 plus yards plays uh given uh the percentage of plays of 10 plus yards given so 
this time it's going to be very interesting to see if um a proper defense can be called by Joe Barry where we act where he actually utilizes the eight first round draft picks that have been drafted to stop the running game right we need Joe Barry to utilize the full potential of the Green Bay Packers draft picks on the defense otherwise there will be riots calling for Joe Barry's head on a platter doused in some cheese sauce. But um, going back to reality, if you know Joe Barry doesn't utilize all of our first-round draft picks, uh, effectively creates a scheme that is um, you know, extremely stringent against the run, probably a 4-3 defense, where you really, really focus on uh, bringing the linebackers down um, and and playing against the run, hitting uh, you know hitting the gaps effectively. Like the scheme has to be developed properly uh, to to defend this Bears rushing attack because if the Bears can just run all over, uh, can run all over the uh, the Packers, then the game is going to be gone. That's for sure. This is exact. Th- this is what Joe Barry needs to do. He needs to figure out a way to get um, effective levels of play from all of our first round draft picks on the defense, especially against the run. We cannot be thirty first in rushing DVOA again. All right, this this just cannot happen. Now, pass wise, they were not very effective. Right, they were thirty second. Um, in in terms of ASR, so they did a terrible job protecting the pass, uh, protecting the passer. Uh, they were thirty first in net D, uh, you know, thirty first in uh, adjusted net yards per average uh, per attempt. So really, they did not have a solid um passing game, and a lot of it is to be blamed on uh Justin Fields not doing a good job of actually passing the ball, not being an effective passer of the football. It's also based on their wide receivers. You know, their talent was 58th in DYAR receiving, right? So that's why they got someone like a DJ Moore. So, yeah. Um, pass-wise, honestly, it's it's going to be interesting if Joe Barry's is actually going to stick with the man coverage defense with Jair and uh, Rasul shadowing the outside receivers like DJ Moore and Darnell Mooney. Because if so, if they can do that, then we have a much better shot of winning. Uh, Because on this, for, for the Packers defense to be successful, they, first off, they have got to stop the run. And second off, just, just play sticky man coverage, on the two outside receivers and make Justin Fields hold the football until the pass rush can get there and pressure him into either forcing turnovers or um, getting a sack. You know, that's, that's exactly what we need to do. So it's going to be a very interesting uh, sequence, a very interesting game to see if um, Joe Barry can actually, um, you know, create that scheme. 
Now, for the Bears to win, obviously, for their offense to be successful, they have to figure out a way to utilize Justin Fields appropriately in the running game, utilize Khalil Herbert um, as their main running back, and utilize the new weapons that they've got um, in in DJ Moore, and they re-signed uh, Cole Komet, and now they also have Big Bob Tunyon, who can really help out in the running game, uh, as Luke Getze, who's the offensive coordinator for the Bears, uh, realized right so it's going to be very interesting how they utilize their newfound offensive pieces to create uh, a better passing game that is based off of the run game to see if they can be an effective play action passing team now what do the packers offense need to do against that bears defense well uh, the bears rushing defense was not that much better than the Packers. I mean, the Bears was 29th. The Packers was 31st. And our rush offense was much better than the Bears. We were in fourth in rushing DVOA with Aaron Rodgers in top 10 in terms of running backs and the yards that they've accumulated. So really, the main goal, and I think this is what LaFleur is going to do, is just focus on the running game. Utilize the two running backs and that stellar offensive line that we've developed um, to uh, to create a much more effective running game, right? Than than what the Bears would have. So if if you can do that, if you can give Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, geez, Aaron Jones, like twenty five touches, uh, and AJ Dillon another twenty touches. Then you know you can really, really take the pressure off of Jordan Love, and it's going to be a very tough game for the Bears to to grind it out, especially with the you know the loss of Roquan Smith. Their rushing defense is going to be even worse. So really, just focus on the run game, and then rely on a short play action passing game to ease in Jordan Love, right? All you need, you got the receivers for um, a good short play action passing game. If you want to hit the deep plays, you got Christian Watson. But other than that, you got Romeo Dobbs, right? You have um, uh, Jaden Reed, our second round pick this year. You have um, uh, Samori Toure coming in, uh, Dontavion Wicks, and Luke Musgrave, a good outlet uh, um, tight end. So. I would really like us to focus first on the um, running game, build an effective running game, and then figure out a play-action pass uh, passing game off of that. So for the Bears defense, honestly, the best way to stop the um, the the Packers offense would be to stop the running game. Right, figure out a way to actually plug in those holes in 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 the in the offensive line, whatever holes we may have. I just don't think that they have the depth, uh, the defensive capabilities for that. It's they don't have the players for that, and honestly, our offensive line is top five in the league, right? Even without David Bakhtiari. So, given all of these facts, 
For the Bears to really win the game, they have to control time of possession. They cannot give the offense, uh, the Packers offense, the football. They have to ground and pound um, the Packers defense. And for the Packers, it's going to be the same exact plan. Ground and pound, short play action game. Have these two young QBs just ease into um, in, in, into their starting roles. Uh, especially for Jordan Love. So given all of these facts, I really think it's going to be a low-scoring, ground-and-pound game. And I give the slight edge to the Packers. And the Packers are going to win 17-14. 17-14. Dang, that's close. Yeah, I would say... Close, I would but low-scoring, definitely. Yeah, and I honestly don't see like I'm gonna run this. Ex- I'm gonna pull for just for this uh, this um, experiment. I am going to try and pull up the Chicago Bears um, stats. Like I just want to look at their roster, their depth chart, really quickly. The only thing that I can see the the Bears having su- having okay successes with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, and EQ St. Brown. However, Justin Fields has to throw the ball. If he does not and he relies on his legs, it is going to be a long day. How do I say it? A long day. No, I'm going to repeat it again. A long day. And Bear Stevens, other than Yannick Ngakwe, like, honestly, I don't see any threat. I, 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 I just don't, except for TJ Edwards, who's been with the Eagles for four years. And yeah, I I wouldn't be shocked if the if the Packers win. Definitely. Alrighty, so that concludes our games of the week, and now we are going to move on to a segment that we loved from last season, the Masala games of the week. So for this segment, what we're going to do is we're going to pick. One game that we uh, that we really, really want to watch this week and just talk about it just like we do with our own teams. So for me, I have selected the Bills versus Jets. Whoa! Monday night football matchup. Let's go. Uh-huh. Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen. First of two officially scheduled uh, NFL matchups this year. We'll see how many more come in the playoffs. Uh, But at least for this regular season, we have just two, right? Now, for the Jets to win on the defense, because I think that's exactly that. That's the role that that's the position unit that's going to help the Jets win at least this first matchup. It's going to be their defense, right? Um, I really don't have that much faith in the Packers' offense because Aaron Rodgers is in a completely new system, and I feel it's going to be exactly how we saw in um, in 2019 with Packers with Matt Lafleur. Maybe not exactly, but in a similar fashion. You know, new sis, uh, not new system, but new environment, new team uh, that he has to really um, uh, build chemistry with. 
So for that reason, it's really on the Jets' defense to help build, uh, to help get them a victory. Now, for the Jets' defense, they have got to play exactly how they did last year. They have got to play heavy zone coverage because that's exactly what they excelled in. Uh, but find ways to have Sauce Gardner on digs, especially since the Bills are so much more efficient in the pass versus in the run. Right? They were third in passing uh, passer rating over expected, with the Bills being an eighth in terms of passing percentage uh, in, in terms of the amount of plays that they had. So they were eighth in the amount of plays that were pass plays, and they were third in the success of the decision to have a pass play versus a, um, a running play. And that's because they just have the personnel uh, to, to, to be that successful in that pass game. But if the Jets can really squeeze the Bills' passing game, then the Jets' defense definitely has, uh, has a chance of of stifling this this Bills offense and um, preventing them a victory, right? The Bills also operate out of 11 personnel 65% of the time. They were 7th in the league. And 21 personnel, in, uh, which was 6th in the league. And that means they only have one tight end groups, right? So 11 and 21 personnel is one running back, one tight end, and two running backs and one tight end. So really... You can really run multiple pass rushers on either side and overpower the weaker side of the offensive line, right? Um, especially since you have, uh, oh my God, who's the who's who's the new draft pick that they had in um, For the Will McDonald? Will McDonald? Oh, especially yeah. now that you have a wide nine. A player like Will McDonald, someone who's going to be on the outside of the tackle, really bending that uh, that offensive tackle on the outside, and then having that stellar, stellar interior D line um, uh, section, uh, interior D line group with John Franklin Myers, a really criminally underrated interior D lineman. You have Al Woods, and obviously Quinn and Williams. It's going to be a feeding frenzy if they can really uh, expose the Bills' offensive line like this um, for for the Jets' pass rush. All right, so it's going to be very interesting to see just how much pressure the Jets can get. We'll see. We'll see. Now, that's what the Jets have to do, right? If they want to win and, and they want to, uh, obviously, they want to show that they're the top dogs of the division, they need to stifle the Bills' passing game by increasing the amount of pressure that they've generated, especially with Will McDonald, overpowering the weaker side of the offensive line, whichever side that doesn't have the tight end. Um, uh, especially if the Bills, you know, typically they run, you know, what, uh, like 80%, 87, 80, 87% of the time they run with just one tight end. So in that scenario, more often than not, you're going to have um, an easier route for your pass rushers to get to Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen is a monster in terms of bringing him down, so we'll see if he's actually able to be brought down. But 
if not, at least you can pressure him, and you will have that spectacular secondary to um, prevent any massive gains. Now, for the Bills to win, okay, they have to generate pressure on the weaker. This it's it, exactly kind of the same situation for the for the Jets, right? <clears throat> for the Bills, they really have to uh, pressure Aaron Rodgers and this offensive line by focusing on the weak link in the offensive line for the Jets. I mean, if you take a look at their offensive line, it's Dwayne Brown, Lakin Tomlinson, Connor McGovern, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Mekhi Becton. So you can really attack Mekhi Becton on the right side, force some pressure on Aaron Rodgers so that he feels very uncomfortable and he has to throw the ball away. Um, that's going to actually generate a lot of pressure on Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, he obviously does not like being, uh, especially at this stage of his career, he doesn't like a lot of um, pressure coming right at his face. So he's going to be very smart about it. He's not going to force the ball. He's going to throw it away. But that means that you can um, actually achieve three and outs and get the ball back to your uh to your team to your offense so that's really what they have to do i mean if you look at the jets offensive line they were 13th highest in terms of pressure percentage allowed um but the bills were bottom 10 percent in terms of pressure percentage generated so they have to generate pressure Otherwise, Aaron Rodgers will find success with the wide receivers, especially with Garrett Wilson um, and Alan Lazard and Mikai, uh, Nicole Hardman, Randall Cobb coming in there uh, for third down. So really, they have to generate the pressure. Now, good news is that the Bills' um, secondary group was actually better in zone coverage than the Jets' secondary group. So at least you have that going for the Bills. but. Yeah, for the Bills to win, just generate pressure. Make Aaron Rodgers feel uncomfortable. Make him throw the ball away. Uh, make them rely on the running game, which, you know, without Brees Hall, who's listed as questionable if you have Dalvin Cook coming in, we'll see how effective Dalvin Cook is behind that offensive line. We'll see how that offensive line is effective, right? So really force Aaron Rodgers to make throwaways and uh, put pressure on him. That's that's the way for the Bills to win, and for the Jets to win, pretty similar. Um, really, it's it's going to be a battle of the defenses, um, and because both defenses were very good uh, at defending the pass, I predict again a lower scoring game, a little bit higher than uh, the Packers versus Bears, obviously given the quarterback situation, but still a lower scoring game. I predict the Bills are going to win 24-21. Aaron Rodgers is not going to have that nice of a game. He's probably going to have two touchdowns, maybe 200 yards, um, just like an intro session, right? It's it's not going to be his best game because this Bill secondary is going to be really, really solid. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for my Masala game of the week. Dang, that's definitely a close game, man. I could actually see this being a full out. It's going to be a very fun and competitive battle. And with that, the Bills, um, I think the Bills window is closing pretty fast. So they have to be, they ha I can see them pulling off the win. But yes, great analysis and spot on as always, Professor Unmund.
Now, you want to know what my game is? Go ahead. Are you ready? The San Francisco 49ers against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ooh, <laughs> spicy, spicy pick. Yes. If you think about it, the 49ers had five Super Bowls against the Steelers, who have six Super Bowls. Now, that's a clash of the Titans. Oh, yeah. But then again, it's basically Brock Purdy versus Kenny Pickett. That is fair. That is that fair. That is fair. But, I mean, who would have thought San Francisco making last-minute changes instead of relying on their pick, Trey Lance, who is now with the Dallas Cowboys. They've selected to go with Mr. Irrelevant against Kenny Pickett. And But the biggest storyline overall of this game, based on the result, regardless of whoever wins or loses, Anand, do the Steelers get a Super Bowl? That is the question always. Steelers got a Super Bowl. Steelers got a Super Bowl. Yep. This is a shout out to Urinating Tree, who is a Yenzer, basically, who is a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. Crazy guy with his takes with sports ball, um, legacy of failures. And of course, the hit season days of our Steelers. When the Steelers shower in disappointment. It's really funny. Check him out on YouTube. And with this, let's do a bit of a breakdown. Niners offense versus the Steelers, the Steelers defense. And with this, there's actually developing news. George Kittle, um, like one, like one of the things, it, it basically, you're looking, if you're looking at the 49ers back at like uh, the depth chart, who would have thought that you would have a Mr. Relevant becoming the starting QB? Who would have thought, man? And apparently, he plays the Kyle Shanahan offense so damn well. Like, I mean, I want to pull exactly all Kyle Shanahan needed was another Jimmy Garoppolo, just younger and cheaper. Yeah, and apparently, it of all people, it was a Mister Relevant. It still blows my mind. And think of, and I'm pulling his stats on ESPN. It's so crazy. Nine games played. 114 completions out of 170 attempts, 1,374 yards. He had a thousand passing yard game, 13 touchdowns, four interceptions. Oh my god, how in God's name does that happen? On, on I mean, I want to question what reality is, but like. This is absurd. <laughs> I mean, like, this is just insane. Like, they, they, he, Brock Purdy is returning back with a huge cast of weapons. Elijah Mitchell coming back and Christian McCaffrey from that crazy trade the Niners pulled off. Then you have your wide receivers and Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, Brent Debo, who could play a great, who's a, I mean, he's one of the, he can he's a dual basically a dual threat. You can use him in the pass in the in the jet sweep run game and a pat and a good possession deep pass receiving. Brandon Ayuk is just a speedster. Juwan Jennings, he can basically be a third back receiver. And then George Kittle. Like if George Kittle's healthy, dude, like he'll be rumbling and tumbling. And I would say he is top two. 
you could put him if I were to rank the top best run the top best tight ends. Anand, I have a take, and I think you no, know, I have a beat the dome moment right here. Are you ready? Go ahead. And I know people are gonna start yelling at us to get us canceled. So I think Travis Kelsey could be between George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. George Kittle's the better tight end. No, no. Okay, no. hear Just me out. No. Okay, no. okay, okay. No. no, no. Wait, wait. Was it the? No, no, no. I did not mean George Kittle being the better tight end. I say Travis Kelsey is a better one. I misspoke that one. Here's the, my reason being. George Kittle is better than Travis Kelsey when it comes to blocking when it comes because one of the roles of a tight end is to pro, is to provide some protection in the passing game. Because not only or like helping help helping with the run game, like uh, but like basically pass protecting the QB and helping create pass, along with being a a great pass catcher. George Kittle is better than Travis Kelsey on that. But when it comes to overall Talent like those who can catch the ball and change the game, I say Kelsey is a little bit better because he has two rings to prove it. George Kittle can change uh, the complete aspect of the game, but Kelsey has more of that. I'm I'm just saying that. Niners fans are probably going to come at me, and I say bring it. Do you think that's fair from what I just said? Kelsey is not a good good blocker, but he's a damn great catcher and a possession. He can change a game with a snap of a finger. Yes, that's true. I will and, do that. And unfortunately, here's the thing. George, and four hours ago, it was reported George Kittle was a limited par practice participant today due to a cool groin injury. I mean, imagine this. I will, I'm going to read the – I mean, if you were to remove George Kittle from that lineup, Brock Purdy has to work with – with CMC, Debo, and Ayuk, that's not going to be enough. Because here's the thing: with the Steelers, no, come on, that's going to be more than enough. It's going to be more than enough. But here's the thing: with the Steelers, do not underestimate that Steelers defense because TJ Watt is going is is coming back a healthy TJ Watt. In ten games, he had five point five sacks, but and one forced fumble. But Cam Hayward. Who had 10.5 sacks and one forced fumble, and Alex Highsmith with 14.5 sacks. They can go after that Niners offensive, that Niners offensive line. Purdy was sacked 11 times, but remember when Purdy went up against that Eagles defensive line in the in the NFC Championship game, Kyle Shanahan had the brilliant MVP, like coach of the year idea to put up a backup tight end against Hassan Reddick. And look what happened to Brock Purdy. He was, part of my French, he got his ass knocked out of the game. And he couldn't throw. He had a torn UCL. And I don't, and if I'm the Steelers, I would, I would try and bring the house as much as I can. Last season, Pittsburgh sacked the QB 40 times, even with, with um, TJ Watt being out of the game. If they could pressure Purdy without blitzing, it is going to be a long day for the 49ers. And and the first and of course, if I'm the Niners, the first thing that you have to do is stop. It, it, I mean, the first thing the first thing the Niners have to do to beat the Steelers is to stop the run. No, no, it's to build on the run. And if I'm the Steeler, and if and if you want to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, they they have allowed only 108.1 rushing yards per game. 
and which is not bad. The Niners, on the other hand, um, according to ESPN, they're the number fourth overall offense. They have rushed for 138.8 yards. I think with CMC and Elijah Mitchell, I think Elijah Mitchell, yeah, that's going to be more than enough. And I could see Debo Samuel going high routes. And don't for and don't and I wouldn't sleep on Pittsburgh secondary. I mean, with Levy Wallace and Joey Porter Jr. Um, and you no know, Joey Porter Jr. and Patrick Peterson, like uh, an experienced corner and a young rookie corner. And don't forget, Mika Fitzpatrick and De is like a really is one of the top safeties in this league. And 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 also like on, on their linebacker says because the Steelers go three four, I could see Nick Herbig and Quan Alexander making some making some kind of impact, and um, and as long as the Steelers stay healthy, like it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day. I mean, they're going to bring in pressure and try and stop the run, and the, it will be very difficult for the Niners if they cannot if they cannot protect Purdy, and. And in that, Niners have given up 17 turnovers. Steelers have took away the ball 23 times last year. If the Steelers are able to get some turnover, the Steelers' defense is allowed to get some turnovers in that game. It's it's going to be very uncomfortable for the for the Niners. Now, if you let's flip it on the other side, Niners defense versus Steelers offense. Anand, you broke the news about Nick Bosa having a good having having a um having a monster deal pittsburgh offense i'm sorry to tell you this but nick bosa is going to come and haunt you in your nightmares it's going to happen i'm sorry but life sucks deal with it <laughs> am i being too negative on on, on the steelers offense <laughs> just saying that no no i mean honestly I'm not really that high on the Steelers' offense. It's it's Matt, Matt Canada. Yeah, Matt O'Canada. <laughs> <laughs> yup, it's gonna be that. It's gonna be a long day, and urinating tree is gonna have like a heart attack watching that game. I mean, I thought I was gonna I was gonna have a concern with that with the with the with the Niners' defense being affected if Bosa did not play, but since he's back. The number one San Francisco 49ers defense is going to like they're gonna go, they're gonna come into town. They're gonna treat this like any other game, man. It is it, it's not gonna be pretty, honestly. They for like they were plus they're plus 13 in turnover differential from last year. Plus 13. Like mm -hmm. that is insane. And the Niners. Although they 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 came up with thirty with forty four sacks, Nick Bosa is still that sack leader, and now and and the night and and the and the Steelers have turned over the ball nineteen times. And Matt Canada, I mean, can the man adapt? Yes, sir. I mean, tell me about it. Can Matt Canada adapt? Like, I doubt it. I mean, but if you want to look at Kenny Pickett, and we also have to look into how Kenny Pickett is going to go up against this Niners defense led by Nick. I mean, do, did I mention Nick Bosa? How many times did I mention Nick Bosa, or do I need to mention him again? Just to repeat that Nick Bosa is still on this team. Don't forget not just Nick Bosa. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, 
Eric, Eric Armstead, Drake Jackson, and hell, they got the Eagles, won the Eagles' um, top sack, um, sack, um, sack generators and Javon Hargrave, who's now on the, who's now on their lineup. Like, good lord, if they can't, I mean, if, they, like, if you even if you try and break through that O line, their secondary is not too bad either. I mean, you have Traverius Ward, Isaiah Oliver, Demore Lenore, and then of course. Tashad get Jair Brown and Talanoa Hofunga. Dude, Talanoa Hofunga, the second coming of Troy Palomalu with the way he plays. And I would not be surprised if this, and Anand, uh, I have a beat the dough moment. In this game, you're going to have a Hofunga laying a big hit or getting an interception, returning it for a touchdown. Okay. Okay. And I mean, and I have to give. And I, I mean, I want to like Kenny Pickett. Like Kenny Pickett, in his first year, he only played like 13 games. 245 out of 389, 63% completion. Threw for 2,404 yards, seven touchdowns, nine interceptions. It's understandable and okay for a first year. But this is like, but this has Matt Canada all over written. Uh, like written all over it. And and. And with this, like in the season, and the one thing that you have to do, you have to put early pressure. And I think the Niners can easily do that. I mean, the Steelers do have a good set of wide receivers, Deontay Johnson, Allen Robinson, and second year George Pickens. And I honestly think George Pickens is going to go over a thousand yards, thousand receiving yards by the end of the season. And a, definitely a good tight end and Pat Fireman. And I still can't believe. That the Packers skipped out on Darnell Washington for him for someone else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A giant in Darnell Washington, like good lord, you could put him as a backup tight end, like put him put him as an extra O line man, and Pat and um and I think like and Allen Robinson, he's basically had a down year, and um I mean, but George Pickens, he had fifty two catches a year ago, went for eight hundred one year and four touchdowns along with circus catches like any and you want to know the crazy thing about pickens man he's averaged 15.4 yards per reception and 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 another weapon that the steelers have to use they got to go with Najee harris and the steelers have a good backup in Najee harris and they had and they and i think the steelers did some good things in their draft when they got broderick jones for uh, um of on their on their tackle and they picked up Isaac Salmalu from the Eagles um and I thought that was a very good signing by them and and with this Najee Harris last season he rushed for 1034 yards and scored seven touchdowns and not only that Najee Harris is good in the passing game and as a rookie he had 74 receptions for 467 yards those dropped considerably but but then again if the if the if I'm the, the Niners defense, seal off Najee Harris and make and make Kenny Pickett throw the ball. If if they cannot if the if the Niners can't stop the run, it's going to be a long day. But then again, it's going to be a defensive battle, and 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 I and I highly doubt Matt Canada can adapt to save his own life. And unfortunately for Kenny Pickett. This is going to be a tough entry into a second year. So, kid, welcome to your second year of the NFL. And I have the Niners winning 27. And, and no, and with this, 
Let me check the over under of, of um let me check the preview of the Niners and Steelers because uh, I think they have like the um the favorites and the over under. Okay. So here's what I got. So the Steelers and Niners are favored by two points. The over under for the outing is 41.5 points. So the 49ers are only favored by two points. That's it. They're favored by two points. <clears throat> I I don't I don't believe it. I yeah, don't they should be favored point. by at least a touchdown. Seven. Yeah. I, I think and I think it's gonna be a tough defensive battle. Niners won 24-17. And unfortunately, we're gonna get out of days of our days of our Steelers on week one. Unless I hope so. unless you want to know the only way Pittsburgh gets bailed out, the high-end talent. Here I come to save the day. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I but I highly doubt the the high end talent will save them. So I'm predicting days of our Steelers 24-17 um Niners. What do you think on this one? I completely agree with you. I think the Niners are going to demolish the Steelers. I don't really see this being a fair fight i think the steelers defense will give the niners a little bit of trouble like you mentioned but it's going to be niners all the way their offense is just too skilled for the um uh for the steelers defense to handle and the and the niners defense is is going to shut down matt canada's brilliant offensive schemes so yeah, even with George Pickens, unless they change their offensive coordinator, I don't really see them beating or come coming close to beating the Niners anytime. But, yeah, yeah, very interesting game to pick. I'll say that for sure. Um, now, that is going to conclude our Masala uh, Games of the Week segment. That's going to conclude the episode for today. So if you guys have enjoyed please leave us a review at one of the four podcast platforms that we host this podcast on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, and pocket cast, or send us an email at nflmasala at gmail.com spelled as NFL M A S A L A at gmail.com or Rakshak. What can they do? They can also find us on Instagram. That is all lowercase at NFL M A S A L A two zero two two. That is at NFL M A S A L A 2022, all lowercase. All righty. And we're going to hit you with our signature outro. Go, pack, go. And fly, Eagles, fly. Take care and have a good night.